You want your five star matches? You want your thirty minute classics? Not me. Big meaty man slapping me. Good ladies and gentlemen, this is Randall Beatley, and this is another episode of the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast. And tonight we're going to review NXT. I, in terms of the casual wrestling fan, I don't know of another podcast that is catered towards casuals that does a episode or ever talks about NXT. Um, And so that is why I am doing it. I want to try to set myself apart on that, that I, I love NXT. Um, um, And it hasn't always been that way. NXT pre-AEW, so NXT like 2017, 2018, 2019, what we call the sort of undisputed era of NXT, or that black and gold era that the IWC tends to love, I was not a huge fan of that era. Um, I felt that it catered too much to the casual, or excuse me, the the hardcore indie fan who knew every backstory to every independent wrestler that got signed in, and right, and so for example, like they sh- when Keith Lee debuted at I forgot what takeover it was, and they showed him in the crowd, and everyone made a huge scene about Keith Lee, and I had no idea who the fuck Keith Lee was, right? Um, I also felt from a storyline perspective. Outside of really undisputed era and DIY, which is Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, we didn't really progress past those five or six characters. Um, And I felt on a week-to-week basis, the show was very bad. It was stale, it was bland, it was your average C-minus show. And then you got the takeover, and the takeovers were good it had very, very good matches, and so everyone just sort of assumes that, like, black and gold NXT was the best era of NXT. And I preferred NXT 2.0. When they rebranded, I wasn't a fan of the color scheme, but the 2.0 uh, rebrand with all the new superstars, and it was definitely character-driven and storyline-forward programming, and I was all for it. And it's and they sold me on a lot of these new characters: Braun Breaker, Grayson Waller, Tony D'Angelo, all of these people. And I fell in love with NXT at that point in time. And now I'm sort of glad they got rid of NXT 2.0. I'm, it should have just stayed NXT the whole time. But NXT now to me is the best thing WWE has going for it on a week to week basis. And it, and it frustrates me that so few people, even in the wrestling market, um, watch it. Um, being that I believe it is the best thing going on in wrestling, at least in WWE today. I would argue in all of wrestling, NXT potentially could have the best story. Now, my question going into this is, is Shawn Michaels sort of running NXT and not focusing on the main rosters or is the main roster writing NXT Raw and SmackDown? Like, why is the, to me, my question is, is why is NXT to me a better product? Why does it, why can't we get the same type of storytelling on the main roster? Right? 
is there a different creative team? What's what's the difference? I really I I wish I knew the answer because I I wish that the main roster gave us the type of episode that we see on Raw that that uh, that we see on NXT on Raw and SmackDown. Right? So we're going to go through this show similar to how we went through Raw last night. Well, I'll I'll go through some of the segments, give my opinion. Um so we open the show with a the social media uh, montage of Grayson Waller from Monday, yesterday, going to the performance center and basically calling out Braun and a, a brawl um, breaks out, right? And... That's how the show begins. We get this sort of montage of social media posts of Braun and Grayson sort of doing that that brawl, that uh, uh, doing a brawl in the performance center. And my question again goes back to what I just asked: How come we don't have something like this for the main roster? I've been a huge proponent. Um, before Roman Reigns became champion, right, and and, and the, the, the sort of part-time champion of choice for WWE was Brock Lesnar. And everyone would complain because Brock would come back at SummerSlam or WrestleMania or something, win the title, say, at SummerSlam, and then not show back up all but maybe at Survivor Series. And then people would complain that he basically is not being on the show, which makes the title worthless, which I would agree in. And, 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 and even with Roman, in his current run, um, a lot of people are now saying that, you know, Roman not being at every premiere live event, Roman not being on every Raw and every SmackDown sort of holds the title hostage, which I, to a point, believe in um, and believe in that statement. Um, and I've been a big proponent. The, the way you fix this, you don't have to have... Roman at the arena every single night. You don't have to have Brock Lesnar at the arena every single night as champion. It's an easy fix. Pre-tape five, six, seven weeks worth of material. Do some off, off-site um, out, uh, promos. Do something like this performance center brawl where someone goes to Brock Lesnar's farm or, or Roman Reigns... We see a vignette from Roman Reigns on his yacht in the middle of the ocean talking about how he's that he is the head of the table and that the head of the table gets to do whatever the head of the table wants and 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 that the tribal chief is taking vacation time and that everyone's jealous and that's right there's so much potential and creativity that you could use with an off-site promo an off-site vignette and I wish that the main roster used them more than what they do um, in a way that NXT... Like, we had several of them on this episode, and we'll, we'll get to it. So that's how the show ends. The first match we then head into is Indy Hartwell versus Tiffany Stratton. And the first thing I'll say is, if you love women's wrestling, watch NXT. About fifty percent of the show today was the women's division, and it is it is deep and it has a bright future for WWE. I think we got some mega stars if booked correctly in this NXT division. Tiffany Stratton is one of them. Um, so she went away. She, she got the boob job that the average blonde girl gets, but that is what it is. You know, she gets a little bit of money working for WWE. What she wants to do, she wants to do. I actually think it makes her character more appealing. Not because she has the bigger boobs. That's not what makes it more appealing. I just felt the sort of um, princess character. Like, you, when, when you look like you're athletic, and which she is. She is an athlete. She's very athletic. But when you look that way, it sort of doesn't make this sort of daddy's girl character go get over as much. I think it's easier to now believe in her as sort of the 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 mean girl um, because she has that look now. Um, um, Tiffany is 
going somewhere. I don't know what the hell they're going to name that finisher. I've never seen it before, but she basically jumps from the, the third rope to the middle rope to the top rope. And then when she hits the top rope, does a moonsault. It's a moonsault. It's nothing spectacular. But the way she performed it, um, it's super athletic. It's super um, creative. Like I said, I've never seen the move before. Maybe someone else used it, but it's it's I, it's wonderful. It's a it's a wonderful finisher. Um, and and um, of course, Tiffany picks up the win. Hopefully. This is sort of we're sort of seeing the end of Indy Hartwell in NXT. I really, really wish that they had her on the main roster on Raw with Dexter and uh, Johnny and um, what uh, what else? Her name, Candice, have the way become a tag team again. Um, that would be fantastic if they if they did that. I'm expecting, and I'll get more into this on Friday, but I'm expecting Indy Hartwell to be one of the NXT call-ups at the Royal Rumble. We move on through the show. We then get a backstage interview, which, by the way, Mackenzie, is it Mackenzie Mitchell? I don't remember her name. I know it's Mackenzie, but she is one of the best backstage interviewers WWE has. Um, She's fantastic. At what she does, like she's really taking this role and 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 going with it. I uh, um, every it just adds that extra layer of NXT that makes me enjoy it. Uh, but JC Jane gets interviewed and basically says that she realizes that she's been carrying Gigi Dolan this entire time, and and that um, you know, and it's setting the seed for it. Is there sort of this crack? In the, the, the armor of toxic attraction. And then it, she says, I got something special. You're never going to see what you're going to see at the championship summit, which will main event the show. We then see Thea Hale getting ready backstage. We then go to commercial break. Commercial break ends. We see a uh, vignette with the uh, Creed Brothers, Diamond Mind to the Creeds and Nive. Ivy, Ivy Nile, um, and Drew Drew Gulak comes in and basically says, "Hey, Iron can sharpen iron. We're gonna get you ready for Indusher." Um, and then you know we have a whole setup to a match later tonight where Gulak and Creed sort of gets on have a little challenge and Creed, um, uh, Creed beats Gulak. And the vignette leading to a match later tonight. Um, again, it's just the vignettes. It's the storytelling. NXT has found a way to to get more than, you know, to, 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 NXT has found a way to put in every single person on the roster in NXT in the show in one way, shape, or form. And, and and I'm loving what they're do how they do that, right? Um it 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 makes all the the gimmicks and characters feel important. Um we then go to the ring uh where Thea Hale has an award ceremony for her first win last week. Andre Chase is presenting it. Um that um you know we have the moment with Andre Chase where he gets ready to cuss. And because it's a live segment, you know, they don't bleep it out. So everyone's, uh, so Thea and what's his name? Duke Hudson says, whoa, 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 you can't say that on TV. You can't cuss on TV. And, and the fans, I love the NXT fan base. You know, that's not PG, right? It's just a great, uh, it's a great, um, atmosphere that the NXT, Universe has. So anyway, they begin celebrating. Jading McDonough then comes out. Um, basically says that they're handing out participation awards. Um, calling Chase U a bunch of losers. Um, and then they, they sort of... Andre Chase then pulls off the little um, graduation outfit that he was wearing... I don't know, the, the the gown 
rips that off. He's in his ring gear. He says he he, he always stays ready because that way he doesn't have to get ready. Um, he then proceeds to 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 punch JD McDonough. We then go to break. We come back and then we have the match. Now let me say this about Andre Chase. I'm a little bit biased. Andre Chase ran the independent scene here in Charlotte, NC, where I am at, for the longest of time. Uh, under the name Harlem Bravado, I saw him several times. He was one of my favorites on the independent scene. He wrestled in Evolve for a little bit, um, and then I guess either when Evolve got bought by WWE or before then he signed an NXT contract and I have loved what he's been doing because he is a little bit advanced in age in his 30s. I never expected him to really go after any of the championships. And I think they have him in the right role as sort of a, a teacher to some of the younger up-and-coming uh, talent like Thea Hale. Thea Hale is going to be a superstar in the women's division. She's 19 years old. She is only 19 years old. Literally, last June, graduated high school. Literally, last year, literally less than 12 months ago, she graduated high school. So first off, this gimmick fits her because she could jump right into college being Chase U. Um, But, like, she has so much time to grow and she's already at very spectacular heights in her career. She's going to be a superstar in the women's division. Um, and she she already does a good job with the sort of gimmick work. Um, and so I think this is fantastic what they're doing with her and with the whole Chase U. Chase U tends to be one of my favorite segments of the entire show. Anyway, McDonough ends up winning. Um, Duke Hudson runs off backstage, um, before the pin, which sort of confuses everyone, and that plays a big part into later in the show. Um, we then see Kiana James giving orders to her assistant. Um, Fallon Henley begins to talk strategy with her for their match tonight. Uh, there's a bit of argument about who should start the match, and then we go to commercial break. We then come back. It's Fallon Henley, Kiana James versus Ivy Nile and Tatum Paxley. Fallon and Kiana James as a tag team just blows me away. Because these are my two favorite. That like, if you were to go back um, to episode, this is episode 42 that we're doing. If you were to go back um, to episode 31, where I did the best of 2022 with me, my brother James, and my friend Cody, at the very end of that episode, I we did a give me three women and give me three men that you think will be you know blossomed into and like will flourish in 2023. And Fallon Henley and Kiana James were two of them. And them as a tag team? Oh, my God. Like, this makes me so happy. Because these are two, these two are stars in the making. And this is what you call storytelling. You know, I, I, I go on about how the main roster doesn't have a story outside of the bloodline and how... AEW doesn't have storylines for the for the most part, and and that you know, the main roster seems to not have uh, storytelling in at any way where you have exposition, where you get to know the motives of the character. Then you have the rising action. Then you have the match. Then you have the falling action. Then you have the resolution. And in wrestling, because a story never truly ends, be, like in a movie. The movie eventually ends, but in wrestling, the show never ends. Like there's always going to be a next week, um, and so this just sort of it, we we had the exposition for why Fallon Henley fought with Kiana James, right? And and Kiana wanted to buy the the bar 
so that she could put condos there. And, and Fallon wanted to protect the family bar. So we had that whole storyline. We have the motives. We have the action to it. We have the match itself, which is the climax. We then get the falling action coming out of it, which also sort of the falling action and resolution sort of happened with Kiana James and uh, is it Duke Hudson. I don't remember his name. What the hell is their name? It's not Duke. Duke Hudson's in the other group. What the hell is his name? Briggs and J- Brooks Jensen. Jesus. I, uh, there's so many good characters there that I always mix them all up. Duke. Not Duke. God damn it. Uh, Brooks Jensen. Uh, Brooks Jensen sort of plays a, a, a big part in this. In that, And this goes all the way back to the beginning of Briggs and Jensen. Where Brooks had a hard time getting a girlfriend. Right. And so now like this goes full circle. He he starts to we don't, I don't know if he's dating or if it's just like a fling with Kiana James. And so that got intertwined in the story with Fallon and Kiana. Right. And so that, and then they perfectly transition into, you know, you have the bar. And for the sake of me wanting to be with Brooks, I'm, I'll be your tag team partner. It's essentially the story. It looks like we're being told. And it's a fantastic story. I'm behind the, the both of them. Um, and so they get a match with uh, Ivy Nile and Tatum Paxley, um, which was a pretty decent match. All of these matches tonight were, you know, your B-plus, B-minus, C-plus matches. They weren't anything spectacular. But I don't expect, you know, five-star, six-star matches on TV. I expect those at the premier live events, right? Fallon and Keanu win. Um, we then go backstage. We have New Day chatting with uh, Anafe and Blade, who thank them for teaching them a lot. New Day says they like the work of Blade and Anafe, um, who then ask New Day for a title opportunity at at Vengeance Day. The writer of this article needs to fix this. Judgment Day is a faction on Raw. Not a pay-per-view that we're about to watch. At Vengeance Day, um, the schism, or really it's, well, the schism roll up and say the dyad. So this is where it gets confusing with the schism is you have the faction and then you have the tag team, right? So in the same way, and I'm going to, for the hardcore fans, they'll understand this, for the the um, more casual fans, it's sort of like with Bullet Club, you had, at one point, not anymore currently that I understand, I don't watch New Japan, so, well, from my understanding, Gorillas of Destiny isn't in Bullet Club anymore, but at one point, like when I start, when I was watching, Gorillas of Destiny was the tag team who was a part of the faction Bullet Club. So in the same way, the Dyad, um, Jagger and Reed, I think it's those two people, um, the dyad or the tag team within the schism. Um, and so New Day announces that there's going to be a match. Um, winner of the match gets to be the fourth person in the Fatal 4-Way Tag Team Championship match at Vengeance Day, um, joining Gallus, New Day, and Pretty Deadly. Um, we then see Braun Breaker show up, and then we go back to commercial. We come back from commercial. We have Apollo Crews in the barbershop with Carmelo Hayes. Another offset uh, vignette, which is needed. And, and these this is what really sets Carmelo Hayes apart, is he has this sort of barbershop that he can hang out at and have these segments at. So... Carmelo doesn't have to be there in person. You could film two or three weeks of of vignettes where he's just at the barbershop doing these vignettes with him and Trick. And it, right? And so this really sets up a fantastic... And so this basically sets up their match going into Vengeance Day. They'll have a best two out of three falls match. And let me tell you something, y'all. This match could potentially be a match of the year contender. I'm so fucking happy. I'm so excited. Vengeance Day is in Charlotte. I'm going to this event. I'm so 
fucking pumped for this. First off, it's going to be my first NXT televised event. Um, I've been to a couple house shows. Um, so when uh, Shinsuke first signed and Finn Balor first signed back in like 2015, 2016, I, was at a, I went to a house show there, sat front row right next to the uh, ramp. Tickets were cheap back then for NXT. Um, I, they, I went to another house show later with, in the Adam Cole era. And then, uh, but those weren't televised events. They weren't as built up. They were good events, but like this is a premier live event. I don't go to many pay-per-view type events. I've been to a Clash of the Champions in 2019. I think it was in Charlotte. I think that was the year. Um, like October, November of 2019, like right before COVID, if I can remember correctly, um, of the time period. It was either 2018 or 2019 that Clash of Champions was in Charlotte. That one I went to, and it, for WWE, I've, uh, I went to, uh, the only other pay-per-view other than Clash of Champions would have been WrestleMania 33, right? And you can't compare anything to WrestleMania, but I don't go to many, you know, of these, of the premier live event show for, and I've always wanted to go to an NXT one. In this match, just right, but I get more excited as we go through. Anyway, next match are the Creed Brothers versus Gulak and Hank Walker. Now, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I like the Creeds. The more and more I see the Creeds, the more I like them. Um, I really wish that Kurt Angle could perform still in some way, shape, or form, and he wasn't, you know, battered and beaten and broken from his time with in, in the industry. Um, because I really think the Creeds could be uh, Team Angle 2.0. If Angle was able to be there day in and day out and, like, like train them, I really, like, be, like, their manager, um, that would be a fantastic, like, grouping for Kurt Angle to, to, to manage. Um, I love the Creeds. Gulak's okay. He does. He fits his part. I'm not a bit. I'm not sold on Hank Walker yet. And the pr- the presentation's weird to me because we went from him being security guard to him getting the contract to him sort of dressing around like like he's just a student and he 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 doesn't have wrestling gear like he wrestles and like he is a farmhand and I don't know about you but that just throws me off. Um. In in short, I mean the match was okay. Cree brothers win. Um, and we move on. They have a little promo. The Creeds have a promo where they admit that not Ivy Nile was basically correct about everything, and, and they think her um, incomes into sheer led by now Jinder Mahal. Which again, I'm loving what they're doing, bringing some of these non-used main roster guys down to NXT to sort of be mentors to help get people over. Into Sheer now is a, a fucking threat. You have Sangha, Veer, um, Jinder Mahal. Honestly, if they bring back Shanky um, in a more serious role, like you could have yourself a legitimate tag team faction in Into Sheer. It could be a legitimate fucking thing. Right? And so they basically announced the match is going to happen next week. Um, we then get a Gigi Dolan interview backstage saying, you know, she's not surprised at what, uh, or she's not shocked at what J.C. Jane said, that J.C. Jane's a bad person, um, that thorns can be dangerous if you're distracted by the pedals. Um then she has nothing to hide, blah, blah, blah. Um, Andy, Wendy Chu then makes her entrance for her match. We go to commercial. And what I love, so like in main roster WWE, what we do, like you go to commercial, you come back from commercial, you go back to what, like Wendy Chu made her entrance. In the main roster, you would have just gone to the Wendy Chu match, right? Instead, we come back from commercial and we get this offset vignette. Of Tony D'Angelo and Stax Lorenzo 
at some dining establishment um, where Tony D basically states, you know, your first impression needs to be big and stacks being the underboss now. First off, if y'all love, like, The Sopranos, now this isn't, you know, it isn't completely that, but if y'all loved The Sopranos, you would fucking love this story. I love Tony D'Angelo, right? And when he first debuted in the 2.0 thing, I loved Tony because he was that, I may be, you know, the only one, but I thought his gimmick, the over-exaggerated um, gimmick of particular culture. So, if, for example, like if, if you had um, a particular person come out and, and be like a thug or a gangster, like someone that was like slanging rock and shit like that, right? And you had and and you would put someone in that gimmick and over exaggerated. Um, it's fu- it's fucking fantastic, right? And and so many people are like, oh, this is such a, a racist gimmick. It uh, it's it, it makes fun of Italians. Look, fucking Italians are fucking laughing at this. <laughs> they, I think the Italians would just be happy to have a legitimate fucking gimmick that takes their culture and and their sort of subculture and how they're presented in movies, right? No one said it was racist when we had The Godfather. People just enjoyed The Godfather, right? This is my plea. Wrestling fans, quit being fucking sensitive about everything. Tony D'Angelo is a fucking great gimmick. And everything we've got from him, he's not the best in-ring performer. He's not the best in the ring but the story, him and Legado del Fantasma last year, fucking amazing. Who has control of the family and that kicked Santos out, but the family left with them, everyone except Electra, which I'm still pissed off about. Speaking of Electra, we move back to the ring. Wendy Chu's opponent is Electra Lopez. We get a, a video where Electra tells Valentina Ferraz um, to be ringside, and and see the match. Um, like I said, decent match. Um, Wendy Chu, as in the gimmick, she does it well. Um, anyway, the end of the match is essentially brass knuckles from Electra to Wendy. Valentina tries to get the ref's attention about the brass knuckles and the ideas. Electra Lopez is willing to take any... Uh, any way necessary to get the win, right? So, um, eventually, either Electra and Valentina will fight, or they'll become a tag team if the if history repeats itself with how WWE does um, their 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 stories. Um, pretty good match, pretty good segment. You move forward, right? I think Electra has uh, the ability to become us I don't know if she'll be the top of the industry but she has potential to be something special and unique we then get Briggs and Jensen uh, roll, uh, with Fallon to congratulate the win with Kiana James um, Brooks then says that he went to the Heartbreak Man, instead of the Heartbreak Kid, the Heartbreak Man, Shawn Michaels, and getting them a tag team match at Vengeance Day. Fallon is upset because it was just supposed to be a one-time teaming. Um, and then goes off and says she's going to think about it. We then see Grayson Waller arriving at the arena, which takes us to break. We come back from a break. We get a lecture from Electra Lopez to Valentina about fighting dirty. Um, Stevie Turner, which is a, a a new character that we were just introduced to a couple weeks ago. Stevie Turner comes in, interviewed backstage by satellite, answers some fan questions, and says that she will be in the uh, on the show live next week. Grayson Waller comes out. 
Uh, basically calling out Braun Breaker, uh, telling him, don't worry, I don't have the steel plate under my jacket this time. Uh, shows this sort of fake championship, saying that he's the real NXT champion. Breaker comes to the ring, they brawl, um, and uh, the spot to end this was Braun goes to spear Grayson. Grayson steps out of the way, and Braun literally goes through the barricade. One of the it's it was a crazy scene. Like, you know, I wished I could have been there live. That would have been something interesting to see. And then we go to commercial break. We come back, and it's another offset vignette. This is fucking perfect. Like, who would have fucking thought that your transitions from story to story could literally, or from match segment to segment and commercial to commercial, that your your transitions could just be some offset people where you literally can get three, four, or five more stories inputted on the show every fucking week with these offset somewhere else in the world gimmick. We got Gallus in a bar. Um, and th- they're talking about how basically they're going to, to win the title to Vengeance Day. And that's all you have to do. Um, we then get the tag team championship, women's tag team championship match, Katana Chance and Caden Carter versus Alba Fire. We get this whole thing on commentary about how it's not going to be fair that uh, that Alba sort of at a disadvantage, but you know because she challenged that it you know she uh, the champion shouldn't like think less of this win. The ref then audibly says, and it was purposeful. Okay, Alba, I didn't see your partner come out. You sure you want to do this alone? She says yes. The bell rings, and as the bell rings. Sol Roca, my baby, the best fucking wrestler in the women's division. And that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but she is so new to this thing, right? Sol Roca, just holy shit, I'm so fucking impressed by her. She's literally the background on my phone. I will mark the fuck out for her every time I see her on the TV. She's... Just, she has that it factor to me. She found a gimmick that sort of works with her. She's very good um, and moving for how young she's she is in the, the, the business. Haven't really heard her promo yet, um, but I'm sure she's okay. And I'm sure that's for a reason. Uh, but she's a superstar. Superstar in the fucking make it. But she comes out, tags with Alba. Fantastic fucking match. Saul Ruka can just move in that ring. And her gym her gymnastics background is the fucking reason why. I'm so fucking tired. I'm going to rant for a little bit here. I'm so fucking tired of the IWC fucking hating on WWE because they go out and get the athletes, the college athletes, the gymnasts and the football players and the and the, the, the basketball players and the, the college wrestlers. And God forbid they get the actual fucking athletes. Instead of these fucking indie darlings who fucking were trained wrong and have, yeah, God forbid that they have 20 years of experience but couldn't fucking draw a fucking, draw blood from a fucking, I, I don't even know how to, what to compare it to. I don't want to get too upset, but like, these indie stars that y'all want to be fucking signed to WWE can't fucking draw shit. So WWE, Vince McMahon, they go out and they get these college athletes who at least they have no wrestling experience but WWE can train them but at least they know they can fucking be an athlete and Saul Ruka is prime fucking example of that sorry that I get irritated sorry that I'm cussing so much but it irritates me because these these IWC fans sit here and say that someone like Saul Ruka shouldn't be in NXT, and they don't mention her by name, but they sit here and bitch and moan, wow, why does WWE always hire or always, you know, bring in and and recruit the non-indie wrestler when there's an entire indie wrestling uh, industry that that they could could sign? And the answer is 
95% of the fucking independent scene is with the experience does not fit WWE system and WWE would have to retrain them in their system and 95% of them were trained either wrong or have bad habits that WWE would have to clean up. And if you're going to have to retrain somebody, why the fuck not would you just bring someone in who doesn't have the fucking bad habits in the first place? It's a, it's a logical business practice. And, and because of it, now, now is everyone that they hire going to fucking turn out? No. But Sol Ruka's one of them. That has turned out and has showed out and has fucking overperformed for how little she's been fucking wrestling. And it irritates the piss out of me that people would sit there and say that she doesn't deserve the spot where she's at because she doesn't have the experience in the, in the independence running the fucking bingo halls, get, working for a fucking handshake and a, and a hot dog. And because she, she didn't have to put in time that she doesn't deserve this spot. Well, I'm, and, and what really pisses me off is the part of the IWC and, and, and the Wrestle Talk universe where it's the, 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 the indie wrestler who says this and it just sounds f- fucking bitter that they're not being noticed because they can't sell fucking shit. <laughs> if you could fucking draw a dime on the indie scene, you would be in WWE. So why don't you, like, do better? Get rid of your shitty habits? And then they want to critique at me for this rant because I've never been in the ring and I've never trained. I'm just saying, Sol Ruka is probably better than 95% of the women on the indie scene that I've seen in person. I don't know about all of them, but of the women that I've seen in person, Sol Ruka has a better look, she has a better moveset, she can, she's more athletic, and she draws better. She's already over as fuck in NXT. So quit bitching and get better or shut the fuck up. We move forward. Katana Chance and Carter win. We knew this was going to happen. Um, Alba then goes in the back where... Is she tagging with Eye of the Dawn? I don't know. I think they are at this point now. I think they're going to be a thing. I, I kind of figured that was what was going to happen. We then get an answer to the question. Kiana and Fallon have accepted the match for Vengeance Day, which pumps me up even fucking more because I get to probably more than likely witness Grayson Waller win the NXT championship. I'm more than likely going to witness a banger of a match between well, I'm definitely going to witness a banger of a match between Apollo and 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 Carmelo. More than likely, going to see um, either Gallus or um. I still think, and this is just a rumor. We'll talk about this real quick. I think AOP is going to show up next week. There's rumors that they have resigned. I think that they will show up and be added into this sort of New Day Invitational and win the match. And more than likely, either AOP comes in and wins the Tag Team Championship for NXT or they look fucking dominant doing so and get moved to the main roster super quick. I want to think that they're going to keep them in NXT because the last time they were there, if they're bringing back Paul Ethering, like the rumors say they are, he really only wanted to work the NXT schedule because um, 99% of the time, right, he, he wouldn't have to travel, right? Um, he would just stay at the Performance Center, basically. Um, and then maybe they'll do these premier live events at different cities. That would be the best way to do it. But, right, so I'm going to witness a fantastic main event where Grayson Waller more than likely in my prediction is going to win the NXT championship. We're going to see a banger of a two out of three falls match between Carmelo and and uh, Apollo Crews. The men's tag team championship match is going to be a banger four-way match where someone it's just going to be a fucking fantastic match. Um, and I think Gallus is going to win that, which is going to make me fucking pop. I then get to witness... 
Fallon Henley and Kiana James wrestle as a team live where I'm a thousand percent certain they're winning these fucking titles. I think it's going to happen. I think they move Katana and Kaden to the main roster. Damage control needs a, a, a face tag team to go against. And I think these might be the, this might be the time to, to move them up. Um, I'm just gonna be, I'm so fucking pumped for this, uh, pay-per-view premiere live event. I'm so fucking pumped for it. We then get a, uh, Cora Jade section where she gets interviewed by, about Lyra Valkyra, I can't say, Valkyra, um, that's the best that I can say, um, she goes off on her, don't remember everything she said, but we then cut away, there's like an interruption where uh, something happened in the parking lot, if you work for NXT, if you're an NXT wrestler, during the show, just don't go in the fucking parking lot, whoever's in the parking lot at some point in every show is going to be fucking taken out. It's the most dangerous place to be during an NXT Live. On Tuesdays between 8 and 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, do not be in the NXT parking lot. Makes fucking sense to me. <laughs> How many fucking people have been taken out in the parking lot? This time it's Nakita Lions. Takita, I hate the way they're using her, I'll be honest with her. She deserves to be in this main title picture, um, hopefully soon. Um, we go to commercial, we come back from commercial... Andre asked Duke where he Duke Hudson where he went. Um, Duke says, you know, yeah, I walked away, but when I walked away, I went straight into Shawn Michaels' office and asked to be in this New Day Invitational. He told me to go ask the New Day. The New Day said they loved the college, and then Andre said, it? "I said Duke, just tell, like, basically like tell me what he, what the answer was." And um, they they were in the Invitational, so it's going to be the Dyad. Uh, Anofe and Blade, and then Chase U, Duke Hudson, and Andre Chase in the match next week to determine who's the fourth member. Like, in my prediction, I think AOP shows up and either becomes a fourth entrant or takes out, like, Blade and Anofe or something like that. Um, um, we then get the t- women's match. And this match also is going to be a fucking banger. It got me all excited. More than likely, we're getting either Roxanne retaining, which I think is what's going to happen. Which is, But it's still going to be a banger. I get to watch JC again. The first time I actually saw JC Jane was on the indie scene. She was going by her indie name, Avery Taylor. It was here in Charlotte. She was, She blew me away. And from that day... Like, she became one of my favorites in the indies. And then when I found out she signed with NXT, it just made my day. Um, anyway. Um, Booker T then hosts the Summit. And the Toxic Attraction's already in the ring. We get introduced to Roxanne. Gigi and JC basically go off on each other, cut promos on each other. We're not going to go into everything we, we hear. doesn't really matter. They go after each other. Booker then asks Roxanne how he feels about this, and she's like, you know, you got popcorn. I'm enjoying this. They can tear into each other all they want. I'm, I'm going to leave, you know, with the NXT champ- Women's Championship still. Um, we then get what looks like to be a brawl. Whenever you have these summits or contract um, signings, you know that someone's going through the table. And so we got JC and Gigi sort of face-to-face now. Which one's going to go through the table? And then they start smiling. And what we knew all along was going to happen, happens. They are playing us all again, mind games. They grab Roxanne, power bomber through the through the table. And that ends the show. And I am going to rate this a B-fucking-plus. This is one of the best things on TV right now, in my opinion. NXT is so fucking great. And if you disagree, like, it, if you don't watch it, please go watch it. Right? Whether you record it, whether you watch it live, I don't give a fuck. Ratings don't matter to me. I'm sure they matter to the advertisers and they matter to some people. They don't matter to me. I don't care that if NXT has 100,000 or 600 or 7,000 or a million, or two billion, it doesn't matter how many viewers they have to me, 
What matters is, is the product is the best thing in the mainstream American audience. I can at least say that. Out of AEW and WWE shows, NXT on Tuesday night is the best thing going in the world. It's better than anything else in America. And I stand a thousand percent on that statement. Um, I wish I got Access TV so that I can watch Impact. Because I might have a different opinion if I could watch Impact. Because from what I've what I've heard is their shit is great. But I'm not paying for Impact Plus. Um, I'm not going to use it that much, to be honest with you. So I'm not going to pay to watch it if I'm not going to be interested in it. So I wish that Access TV was a part of the, the deal with YouTube TV so that I could watch it. Um, but yeah, with that said, that that's the show. I fucking loved it. Um, I'm so pumped for two, uh, a week from what is a week from it's next week, isn't it? February 4th is, is next Saturday, isn't it? It's a week from this Saturday, right? Yes, sir. So, yep. A week from Saturday. So I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. About 10, 11 days until here in my hometown of Charlotte, North Carolina. Vengeance Day, baby. Oh, I can't wait. I'm so pumped for it. Um, I'm definitely going to post some videos on TikTok of that event. So go ahead and follow me over there. We too deep. 413. That's W E T O O D E E P 413. This has been Randall Beatley with the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast. Thank you all for listening, and I will see you tomorrow um, with it being sort of like News Day Wednesday, and I'm not reviewing anything. It's probably going to be sort of, you're probably going to get these two episodes within eight to ten hours of each other. I'll probably have this posted up sometime in the early or late morning, early afternoon for the Wednesday episode. But until then, I will see you all on that episode Y'all have a great rest of your night, and I will see you on the next one.